1: now
4: Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Red Pill News Live. Esther, I saw your question in the chat. I will not be changing my name because the brand is already established, and any damage <laughs> that I may have done to myself by choosing such a name Uh, I think the FBI is already all too aware of me and my activities. So as long as I don't give them any reason, and I will not, I'm just a patriot who loves his country and wants to share the truth. Not everyone (laughs) who uses the terms red-pilled, chad, or based are incel terrorists. I want to thank everyone for being here today. If you wouldn't mind, do me a favor. Hit that like button on your way in. Hit the refresh button if you're just getting here. Make sure you share this on your favorite social media platform. Help us get the word out. We got a lot to discuss today. Thanks for hanging out, Esther and Vector, and keeping the chat warm while nobody was here yet. All right, so without further ado, sit back, relax, grab your popcorn, and we're going to be right back after this. All right, good afternoon, and thank you for being here with us today. I really appreciate everyone. Vector, yeah, I I don't know if they're going to let you into the country after uh, all that's been done and said. I don't know that they're going to allow us to keep living here. Here, Here's the thing. I, I, I like to joke around about dark subjects such as this. But I think that what the FBI is doing is designed uh, to instill fear into the hearts of people. They want to stop us from using terms like red pill, saying, hey, I got some red pills I'm going to drop on you. I'm listening to Red Pill News. Have you checked out Red Pill 78 on Rumble? Uh, or do you know that I'm a based Chad, and uh, if they want you to stop using those words, then there is a reason that you should continue to use those words. See, these are signs of of knowledge, intelligence, of masculinity, and that's the last thing they want. They don't want you thinking for yourself. They don't want you to be a based Chad. They don't want you to make America great again. But we're not going to let them stop us do that, are we? All right, so. Uh, Brian likes the pink pill, okay. Uh, We are here today to discuss a series of very important topics that have Recently come across the news desk. You may have heard about the tragic situation over the weekend of Daniel Perry. Uh, Daniel Perry was an Uber driver who was confronted by a group of armed Antifa terrorists. One of them is the gentleman you see holding the AK-47 variant right there strapped around his neck. Now, it's America. This is the land of the free, the home of the brave. We invented the Second Amendment. Nobody else has it. It's ours. And in certain localities, it's totally legal to walk around holding a weapon in your arms, strapped to your body, on your hip. It's called open carry and then, of course, we all know that they have concealed carry, which many times you need a permit, and nowadays it's getting even more common that you don't need one. Uh, But One thing that Florida has is concealed carry reciprocity with like 39 or 40 states, something like that. So if you get your concealed carry permit here, you can conceal carry in all of those other states and you don't have to worry about it. The one thing you don't do, and this is something that anyone who has taken any handgun or firearm safety courses, is that you don't point a gun unless you're prepared to use it. And if I was out on the road and some crazy leftist antifa thug like this guy pointed that AK-47 at me, I would assume that he meant to use it, and I think that's a reasonable assumption. Uh, TK Bear Twenty Four says, "I'm a new subscriber. I'm very happy to have you here, TK Bear. Thank you very much for being here with us." We're talking about the tragic case of Daniel Perry. Uh, However, it's about to get much, much better. So regardless, this man, Garrett Foster, he was part of the group that surrounded Daniel's vehicle as he had just dropped off a fare uh, for an Uber ride. He might have been doing Uber uh, Eats or something like that. But either way, he was on the clock for Uber at that time. So they surrounded his vehicle. They started beating on his car. And Daniel was aware of the unrest that was taking place there in uh, Austin. And uh, this man, Garrett, pointed the AK-47 at him. We have w- we have evidence of this. There were witnesses who saw Garrett l- raise up his rifle, point it right at Daniel. Well, you know what they say. You F around, you find out. And Garrett Foster found out in no short order. Daniel Perry was a much better shot. And he used his handgun, which he legally possessed, For his own personal safety, on Garrett, Garrett passed away. And, of course, this is Austin. This may be Texas, but Austin is the liberal, I guess, uh, capital of of Texas, as we know. So, the liberal Soros-controlled DA of that area... Charged Mr. Perry with first degree murder, and a liberal Austin jury convicted him of first degree murder. Uh, this was on Friday. Uh, now, the time uh, that this took place, this was back during the the 2020 George Floyd riots. So you know there was a, a lot of uh, a lot of vitriol, a lot of anger out there. Uh, obviously, there is a narrative that they wanted to pose, and that narrative was. Someone uh, like uh, Kyle Rittenhouse, you know, he he was going to get what he deserved from those liberal, uh, the the liberal prosecutor's office. And they wanted to do the same thing to Mr. Perry here, Daniel Perry. The only difference is Kyle got off because the jury had some semblance of intelligence. However, the same could not be said here in Austin. So uh, once he had uh, shot this man, he immediately went and turned himself into police. He didn't try to run. He didn't try to, uh, you know, come up with any crazy stories. He was defending himself, all right? And he knew how to defend himself because he was a veteran. The man knew what he was doing. Uh, So then about a year later in 2021, he was indicted and uh, the trial just concluded. Now, here is some video where you can see Mr. Perry come to a complete stop before being forced to defend himself. To this man Garrett Foster, who leveled his AK forty seven directly at him. Make no mistake. Hang on, I need to make this larger. Here we go. My my biggest problem with these people is that they're entitled. They believe that they can do whatever the hell they want. Now, to their credit, corrupt George Soros-controlled DAs like uh, the man that we're discussing here, uh, they have essentially made these people believe that, yeah, they can do whatever they want. So they can, can surround your car. They can destroy your property. They can pull you out of the car and beat the living hell out of you. But you can't defend yourself. It's like what they did to that guy in Arizona. 75, 77-year-old man. He shoots an illegal on his property who is also carrying an AK-47. They tried to charge him with murder. He's still in jail as far as I know. Uh, what about uh, the, the couple in St. Louis, the McCluskeys? They wanted to charge them as if they did something wrong. These entitled brats broke into... Their gated community. This was not a public area. Now, this demonstration that was taking place, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Again, this is America. You have the right to demonstrate, but you don't have the right to destroy public property while you're demonstrating. You don't have the right to destroy someone's vehicle while you're demonstrating. You certainly don't have the right to point an AK 47 at someone. And not expect that you're going to get capped. Well, Garrett got capped. So, what's interesting is that since the news of this conviction came down, uh, Governor Greg Abbott has signaled that he will be pardoning Mr. Perry. Now, it's a bit of a process. Uh, There has to be a a review that's requested by the parole board. And I think in order to get that review before the parole board, there is some process that Daniel's lawyer needs to go through to petition for that review. And then once that review comes into the parole board, they send it over to Governor Greg Abbott. And then at that point, Greg Abbott can go ahead and, uh, and do the pardon. Now, uh, this, uh th- th- this means that Daniel Perry will get out, but his sentencing is on Tuesday morning. And the the question I think that we have to ask is, are-, are there people who are looking to do him harm during the time that he will be there in jail? Because I think it's a safe bet to say if they're putting him in jail in an area with uh, people who were friends with this Antifa terrorist – Uh, then perhaps there will be people there who are looking to make sure that uh, some harm comes to him. But, He could get up to 99 years in prison, regardless of whatever that sentence is. As long as Greg Abbott follows through on his promise to uh, give him the pardon, then he should be okay. The problem is, again, it's just a a series of of bureaucratic hurdles that have to be made. Uh, And we have a little bit of red tape that we have to go through. Um, Now, what is especially, especially interesting about this case uh, is that the attorney that we are discussing here, the, the prosecuting attorney, Jose Garza, uh, it's been alleged that he actually withheld exculpatory evidence and it was not just alleged by Mr. Perry's legal team or by him or his family. Uh, this was actually a detective, a lead detective on the case itself who investigated Mr. Perry For the shooting and what led up to it, David Fugit is his name lead detective on this case, and he filed an affidavit uh, after the shocking verdict was revealed. Now, according to Officer Fugit, District Attorney Jose Garza and his office had him remove 100 pages of exculpatory evidence from the case files. That means that the jury never had the opportunity to see it. And the DA's office had him shorten his presentation on what happened from 158 slides to 56 slides. That's roughly two-thirds of the total presentation. You know, in most cases, uh, they are not going to do something like this. But they do it when they want to railroad someone. And make sure that they pay the full penalty of whatever it is they feel that they're guilty of. So here is a segment, a short segment from the actual affidavit itself. Uh, Attorney's office to remove exculpatory information that I intended to present to the grand jury during my testimony. At that point, I specifically asked if there would be any ramifications if I did not do so. I was told by Assistant District Attorney Guillermo Gonzalez that he would ask the elected District Attorney, Attorney Jose Garza, what would happen if I refused to agree to the limitations I was being ordered to comply with? I was later sent an email reaffirming the exculpatory subjects that I was forbidden from mentioning during my testimony. Of my original 158 slide PowerPoint presentation, the presentation was reduced to 56 slides with almost all of the exculpatory evidence ordered removed. I feel like I did not have any other options but to comply with their orders. In my mind, after this directive from Jose Garza, the prosecuting attorney, is when the conduct of the district attorney's office went from highly unethical behavior to criminal behavior. And it certainly is criminal behavior because Brady violations, exculpatory information. When you are actually accused of a crime, you have not only the right to defend yourself before your accusers, you have the right to know the contents of what you're being accused of. You also have the right to view all evidence that the prosecuting attorney may have in your favor and against you. In your favor is that exculpatory information. They did the same thing to General Flynn. And what's really interesting is that this recent indictment against Donald Trump, uh, it it doesn't really... Outline any crimes uh, in the affidavit itself, in, excuse me, inside the indictment itself. You know, they talk around a series of events that uh, are not actual crimes. Uh, and again, in this instance, this was not a crime. This was self-defense. And the prosecuting attorney hid evidence So that the jury would never understand the full scope of what took place on that day. And thank God the police officer who was in charge of the investigation is now coming forward and saying something. So my point at the end of the day is it's it's all that more likely that we are going to see... Uh, the pardon coming from Governor Greg Abbott. Uh, I'm hoping that it also means that Jose Garza is going to be at risk of losing his position. Uh, Perhaps the county can take a look at the job that he's done and the way that he's railroading certain clients through, uh, certain defendants. Uh, And I would love to take a look at what Jose Garza's record has been overall in terms of the regular day-to-day criminal activity of the, uh, the, the Austin City uh, where he resides, and then, of course, the county that he is uh, overseeing. Uh, this is not a small deal, but it is very similar to what we're seeing all across the nation. We have shown you a number of different instances of similar events taking place. And I mentioned the McCluskeys. Well, you might remember Kim Gardner. She was the circuit attorney uh, for the St. Louis area also a George Soros acolyte. Uh, She's just been sanctioned by a judge for guess what? Withholding evidence in a double murder case which allowed a killer out on bond. Isn't that funny how she did the same thing that Jose Garza did? It's almost like the George Soros prosecuting attorney workshop that they sent these people through told them that one of the things you need to do as a prosecutor is to withhold evidence. Withhold evidence from the innocent so they appear guilty. Withhold evidence from the guilty so they appear innocent. And then we can put innocent people behind bars while at the same time we put dangerous criminals back out onto the streets because then the good men and women who would be the ones protecting us us, uh, protecting themselves, protecting their families, because we love guns and we want to keep our families safe. We are the ones who end up behind bars. So very, very similar circumstances. What happened here with Kim Gardner, though, is that now she's getting sanctioned. There is a judge who is overseeing her and her job, and uh, they believe that Kim is doing the wrong thing. So Kim was sanctioned uh, for withholding of evidence in this double homicide case. I I can't it's just so mind boggling every single day when I look at stories like this and you realize a, a double murder suspect gets out on bond like that would never happen in my wildest dreams. Can't even imagine it. Uh, Judge Teresa Counts Burke ruled in favor of Heflin's attorneys from Bruntrager and Billings Law Firm who filed a motion accusing Assistant Circuit Attorney Alex Polta of violating discovery rules that required prosecutors to turn over evidence, including DNA reports and a recording of a 911 phone call. The courts have found that there have been repeated delays by the state in obtaining discovery and providing it to the defense, Burke wrote. There has been a lack of diligence on the part of the state in following up and providing discovery to the defendant in a timely fashion. And as a result, the state's actions and lack of diligence, the court grants defendants second motion for sanctions. Back in February, the Missouri Supreme Court had appointed this judge, John Torbitsky, uh, from the Eastern District of Missouri Court of Appeals. Uh, he was meant to adjudicate the legal actions between uh, Missouri Attorney General Andrew Bailey, who was trying to remove St. Louis Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner from her elected position as the St. Louis Circuit Attorney. For all of the aforementioned reasons that I mentioned before, uh, she refuses to perform her duties as prescribed. You are the prosecuting attorney. You prosecute crimes. Doesn't mean that you go after people that are innocent, but it means that you attempt to go after the people who are guilty. Since the time the Ken Gardner has come into her office, the homicide rate and car thefts in St. Louis rival the numbers of any major city, in a third world country, remember over the weekend uh, when Fran was on the show, we were talking about how El Salvador is a place where you can now walk around freely. It is totally safe, safer than American cities, certainly safer than St. Louis. But Gardner refuses to prosecute criminals in the same way that our past prosecutor there, in Austin also refuses to prosecute criminals, continues to prosecute innocent people. She will throw out cases, and she has a habit of saying that the police are racist. So what is the situation with this uh, double homicide suspect? Back in February, a repeat offender, a 21-year-old named Daniel Riley. Uh, Daniel Riley was out on bail after violating Bond multiple times, Uh, ended up striking a teenager, Janae Edmondson in a car wreck and Janae lost sensation in both of her legs as she was walking from a volleyball tournament with her parents in downtown St. Louis. She had a scholarship to play volleyball in college, uh, Daniel Riley, it wasn't like he broke his bond once or twice. He had violated bond over a hundred times, and yet he still had the opportunity to roam the streets of St. Louis. Daniel Riley was a recidivist career criminal who had no respect for the rule of law or for what the judge would tell him that he needed to do. Kim Gardner thought it was a great idea, just let him go. So <laughs> The St. Louis judges had asked the state Supreme Court to be excluded from deciding whether to keep Kim Gardner or not. So this frees them up to testify against Kim Gardner in their case. Uh, And uh, we've gone over Kim Gardner's exploits on a number of occasions, Um, but as i'm sure you're all aware you know she has a habit of doing the same thing over and over and over again she refused to work with cops she said the cops were racist and so she wouldn't take the case the drug dealers got out and uh continued to poison the community uh in 2020 she was caught lying uh on video about being harassed during a traffic stop um and she let looters and rioters out of jail without any charges during the violent black lives matter protests of 2020 so kim gardner i'm glad she's getting sanctioned i certainly hope that we will see more of that in the future untitled lady Two says zach's meme skills are on point for the show card thank you very much <laughs> mm. i was pretty proud of that myself i thought that was a good one all right so uh this is a story that i read about early this morning well i'm 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 going to kind of paint a picture here. Um, Spike Protein says, if Kim Gardner were here on the Illinois side, the state, unfortunately, would be supporting her. I'm glad that she is in Missouri and they are holding her accountable, as am I salty zero says letting and keeping these criminals out of jail allows the chaos to continue no you're absolutely right i think that's that's the point that's the point that they want to drive home oh and untitled 82 thank you for becoming a monthly supporter if you guys feel so moved you can click the join button under the video in the player in your browser window you can become a member uh through rumble on locals And it will support the show monthly, and I I obviously appreciate it very, very much. It allows me to continue doing this work every single day and to continue to bring you these shows. But I'm going to paint a picture for you here. Um, Throughout the last several decades, we have learned to varying degrees of sexual assault, I guess, scandals taking place in uh, virtually all areas of uh spiritual worship okay uh it it ha- i don't think that there is a single faith that the idea of the clergy within that faith molesting children i don't think that anybody is left unscathed you know uh certainly catholic priests uh certainly at mosques it's happening uh certainly at just you know your average baptist church i mean it's happening all over America because the types of people who would molest children put themselves into a position of power so that they have the ability to do so. And one that I had never heard of were uh, Tibetan Buddhist monks, but apparently even Buddhism is not immune to sex abuse scandals. In fact, back in 2018, this kind of flew under the radar for me at that time, Um, the Dalai Lama uh, was confronted during an interview on Dutch TV uh about a series of sex crimes that have been taking place in Europe. Uh these were in Buddhist teaching centers. So, you know, Buddhism is is different than say Catholicism or Christianity, you know? I mean, it's not it's not a religion per se. It's it, if I'm not mistaken, it's more like a philosophy, but Uh, Either way, you know, these Buddhist monks, they are apparently teaching people about Buddhism. uh, And then at the same time, they are molesting people. They are raping women. uh, They are essentially engaging in the same behavior that Catholic priests engaged in. So when the Dalai Lama was confronted about this, he kind of brushed it off. He said, I already know everything. You know, we dealt with it. Uh, And he did do a bit of an apology tour around Europe, uh, you know, kind of publicly publicly. Wow, just started raining heavily. Uh doing an, an apology tour to to uh to let people know that he felt bad for this. Well, the story is kind of coming up again because we just got this disgusting disgusting video released where the Dalai Lama asks a young boy like a 7-year-old boy to kiss him on the mouth and then suck his tongue. Now, I just want to let the impact of that sink in for you. A grown man, a spiritual leader, someone who is supposed to be enlightened and representing the best of the culture that they are within, and he is on video asking this young boy to suck his tongue. I can't think, I can't think, of any reason other than sexual gratification that someone would ask someone else to suck their tongue. Certainly just thinking in my own life <laughs> this is not something that you do when you casually meet people on the street. Um you know I've never hugged someone out in public and said hey suck my tongue for a minute will you? I mean it's just not how you do it. And I don't think that this is like a, a normal thing in the the Buddhist uh, uh I guess, culture either. But th- this video clip has started going around, and now the Dalai Lama is apologizing for this. The apology rings a little hollow. He shared an official statement uh, where he issued an apology to both the young boy and the family of the boy, uh, as well as all of his friends across the world for the hurt his words have caused. Not the hurt that is, like, Basic molestation of a seven-year-old child caused. Listen to this; it's the the hurt his words may have caused. Wow, it's like he's apologizing for dropping the n-word casually in conversation. Gets that picked up on uh, on audio. Now, let's we're going to go ahead and watch the video, okay? And I just want a fair warning; I want to put a disclaimer out there, but you guys tell me what you see when you see this because I'm seeing I'm seeing an adult an adult man molesting a young child
5: (laughs) 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 my tongue (laughs) <laughs>
4: yeah, I gotta say that's uh that's disappointing, you know, um but also not wholly unexpected, just based upon the types of people that the Dalai Lama surrounds himself with, you know the there are a lot of, uh, uh, you know, wealthy and influential people in Hollywood. They love to hang out with the Dalai Lama. You know, what else has he seen? What else has he done? Um, it just, it, it, the, this is the other thing, is that he did it in front of all these people. You know, I mean, he did it in front of all these people. You know, so like, was this normal to him? Is this like what goes on? I mean, I don't know anybody, this happens in their household. His holiness often teases people he meets in an innocent and playful way, even in public and before cameras. He regrets the incident. Well, of course he regrets the incident because everybody's talking about it. Um, this event uh, was was being produced with the M3M Foundation. They are a philanthropic, philanthropic subsidiary of an Indian real estate company, M3M Group. And uh, they shared a statement with CNN in regards to what we just saw there, and they condemned all forms of child abuse. So I don't think that I'm out of line in considering this to be child abuse, and I feel like, uh, obviously, the people surrounding the Dalai Lama consider it to be child abuse as well. Um, So, yeah, uh, just a really weird story, and not the one that I thought I was going to be, Yeah, I'll bet he regrets it, I'm sure he regrets it, because he got caught, and now he has to discuss it. All right. Uh, Prayers for the people of Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, We're going to talk about the tragic multiple shootings that took there earlier today. Right after this break, we'll be right back. All right. So someone in the chat had said that he didn't actually suck his tongue. Show the whole video. I don't have the whole video. Um, But I don't think I need to show the whole video. Whether or not this boy followed through on the perverted request of an elderly man is not important. What's important is that the Dalai Lama is a person of power, uh, a person who is revered, and certainly this young boy would have gone there believing that he was going to meet someone of holy stature. Instead, he was asked to perform an act that is reserved for consenting adults. So I think that the reason the boy didn't do it is because it clearly made him uncomfortable. He might have laughed But quite often, I know I will, I will laugh when something makes me uncomfortable. It's just my personality. Um, Vector says they do this kid diddling all day, every day, so they don't realize when they do it in public. Uh, And then Untitled82 says, how about Riley Gaines being attacked by trans activists? Women should be fired up. No men in women's sports. Outnumbered on Fox. Did a great segment on it. Check it out. Yes, we are definitely going to talk about uh, Riley Gaines, for sure. So, yeah, uh, I still think it's abuse whether or not the child actually did follow through on what the Dalai Lama requested of him, because he put that little boy into a position where for a moment he had to think, is this something I'm supposed to do? Uh, is this something he had done in the past? Uh, I think that that's a valid question. Uh, Penny Whitbrot, good to see you, Penny. Uh, and uh, Penny, I'm, uh, I am I saw that you texted me earlier, but I was on the phone with my aunt and uncle, so I didn't actually read the content of it. But she said, yes, he holds a position of authority. He abused it with this little one. That is exactly my point. Thank you very much, Penny. You know, <clears throat> this is not the kind of thing that you ask a child to participate in when you hold a position of authority over them uh, or even if they're a child that you have nothing to do with. But it's worse. It's worse in that position. You know, if it was some stranger walking up to this kid saying, oh, suck my tongue, you know, that that person's going to get their ass beat by the kid's dad. Okay, you know, that's going to sort itself out. But the Dalai Lama is in a position to do this over and over again. And as Vector said, he's doing it in public. Maybe it's because, you know, he feels he can do it because he does it all the time in private. So, yeah, there is no such thing as consent and consenting behavior between a child and an adult. Uh, It is absolutely abhorrent. Abhorrent. All right, so... We need to pray for the people of Louisville. There were two separate shooting incidents earlier today. Uh, One of them has been solved, as far as I know. Turns out it was a former teller at a bank that went into that bank and shot it up. Initially, when I heard there was a shooting at a bank, I thought, you know, maybe this was just like a bank robbery gone bad. Um, But uh, this is a 25-year-old young man. Uh, He... Killed four people. He sent eight people to the hospital, uh, and he comes from a family that is pro gun control. Uh, So we're going to do a little bit of investigating here uh, on what happened. But the authorities did uh, update on us uh, what happened after this man was killed by police. Sounds like so. Let's go ahead and take a listen. We are going to go go. straight the police uh, who are giving
6: a press conference. Uh, Louisville Metro Safe received a report of shots fired and a possible active shooter at 333 East Main Street at the Old National Bank. Within three minutes of being dispatched, officers arrived on scene and encountered the suspect almost immediately still firing gun gunshots. Officers exchanged gunshots with that suspect, and ultimately that suspect did die at the scene. We are trying to confirm if that suspect died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound or was killed by officers at this time. At least two officers were shot during this exchange of gunfire. One is currently in surgery at University of Louisville Hospital. At least four more victims were confirmed to be deceased inside the location, as well as eight that are now currently being treated at the University Hospital. Two are critical, one of those being the officer. We're currently working to identify all of the victims, work with their families for reunification and provide services to the families and the victims. The investigation, I want to reiterate, is ongoing. This will be a a long scene. It will take uh, pretty much into the night. Um, So I still ask that the public avoid the area. I want to reiterate that there is no active threat uh, we believe this is a lone uh, gunman involved in this that did have a connection to the bank. We're trying to establish what that connection was to the business, but it appears he was a previous employee. Um, it is clear from the officer's response that they absolutely saved people's lives. This is a tragic event, uh, but it was it was the heroic response of officers that made sure that no more people were more seriously injured than what happened
4: i see L.W.K. Cross says that they live in Louisville, Kentucky. I'm glad you're safe. Uh, what's kind of crazy about this story is that the branch that this former employee went into to commit this heinous act was the bank of the governor of Kentucky, who ha- happens to be a Democrat. Um, we have a little bit of information about this guy. Hold on. I'm trying to, here we go. His name is Connor Sturgeon. Uh, they had not named him publicly, but someone, uh, was listening to a police scanner. Um, and they were able to get, uh, the actual information about who Connor Sturgeon is. Um, now I've seen people suggest that, uh, the fact like on your LinkedIn profile, I, I, I'm not, like, a big on LinkedIn. I've got a LinkedIn profile that I set up a long time ago just so that I could reach out to certain professional people if I wanted to invite them on the show. But I've never gone in to, like, actually, like, fix my settings or anything like that. So I've never been asked if I was a he, him, or a she, her, or something like that. So... Um, I don't know if that's something that now LinkedIn just does automatically when you're getting set up. I mean, you know, when I set it up back in 2018 or something like that, it definitely was not a question they asked you. Um, So I I just I'm saying this because I've seen people, you know, you see somebody on LinkedIn. You know, obviously, if it's a woman and they're using a he him pronouns, you know, you're pretty clear on exactly what's going on there. But, you know, Connor Sturgeon. Uh, with a master of science, uh, having he, him in his bio, I don't know that that means anything yet. So we'll need to do a little bit more information about, uh, Connor Sturgeon, but, uh, it appears to be workplace violence. Uh, he was an employee at the bank. He was upset about something. He went in and he decided that he wanted to murder his colleagues. Um, now what I'd be most interested yeah, in the pieces together is the father. I want to see this Twitter account.
0: But this is still a very new investigation.
1: It, it's only what less than three hours since this actually occurred, so they know a lot already. They know the shooter is dead. They're working to determine whether by his own hand or whether he was shot and killed by responding police officers. They credit some of the officers that were there within three minutes of, of the shooter opening fire in this first four conference room of the bank in downtown Louisville with saving additional lives. We had heard that people were taking cover in the bank vault and elsewhere, and they had to do a, a search of that bank to make sure it was clear of, of both victims.
4: I, I am especially interested to know whether or not this bank had armed security. Uh whether or not they had somebody on site with a firearm uh who who, who could, you know, stop something like this from happening. Um <laughs> where did that go? <laughs> uh salty zero, no joke. His pronouns are he, him. Now was were. Yes, that is true. That is absolutely true. Um and then Jsu 1966, I read an article today that said felonies are grooming kids to do crimes. Do you mean that, like, felons are grooming kids to do crimes? I mean, I, I think, I, I guess maybe give me a little bit more uh, specificity on exactly what the message was there. But... I think that definitely uh, they are creating a kind of, you guys ever played Grand Theft Auto? They're basically turning America into a, 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 a chapter of Grand Theft Auto uh, where, you know, kids can steal cars, they can uh, punch people out on the streets, they can rob them, they can kill them. Uh, they can basically become the worst possible versions of themselves and the state is going to reward them. Yes, okay, yes, yes. I think, yeah, these kids of
1: Now Spiderflare.com.
4: today are being groomed for this stuff. You know, you go onto a site like TikTok or on any of these social medias, and you got people like flashing money, talking about running scams, about uh, dealing drugs, about turning tricks with girls, you know, I mean, just like the most horrible things, like not civilized behavior. It's because they have been pushed into a life of criminality because they can't be successful in anything else. They've had their education completely destroyed. They've had any future prospects essentially ripped away from them. Their families have been torn apart. Uh, the world that they live in is just heinous and full of the worst possibly behaving people, adults. Uh, the role models that they have are just awful. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I am totally on board with believing that these children are being groomed to become abject criminal Behaviors, uh, Penny says. Uh, Governor Bashir gets zero love from me after he kept me from being able to fill my prescription for hydroxychloroquine when I had COVID. Bashir has blood on his hands. I think you're absolutely right. And yeah, no, no uh, mercy intended for Governor Bashir. I just found it interesting that he had a personal connection to that bank because if one were conspiracy minded, uh, and you were to think, hey, maybe. They want uh, Kentucky is looking to do some type of gun control maneuvers or something like that. Well, pretty good place to do a shoot up would be in the bank of the governor so that he can cry on camera about the friends of his that passed away. Untitled 82. The ultimate goal for the deep state as of now is disarm the American people. I think you are absolutely right. So uh, until we get more information about uh, young Connor, um, I I think that's it. On Facebook, reportedly, Connor Sturgeon had a meeting this morning at Old National where he was to be fired. He ended, he texted a friend, and he was suicidal and going to shoot up the bank, and he was on Instagram Live. Wow, he was on Instagram Live. Uh, Shooter was a fired employee and knew they had a meeting this morning. Sebastian Gorka. Also claims that Sturgeon's social media accounts are being wiped. Of course they are. But he was able to share screenshots that are allegedly from his Reddit account that reveals he was not a fan of President Trump and that he was happy about the COVID lockdowns, sharing a message that said, finally, an excuse to stay home without being a bad person. See Sturge 41. Uh, Look at that. We had another Twitter account who posted an image that he claimed was a message his cousin sent him, revealing a conversation the killer had with a group before murdering innocent people at the bank. Let's go ahead and take a look at that image. And it's been wiped. Look at that. Uh, And uh, the St. Louis police, excuse me, the Louisville police scanner identified him as uh, Connor Sturgeon, six foot four, tall white male, probably hated himself, couldn't couldn't stand it that he was white, that he had uh, privilege in this world and that uh, he, he needed to he needed to do something, he needed to do something. So according to heavy. The mom and dad uh, approached police at the scene outside the bank. A police officer told the dispatcher on the scanner audio uh, that the responding officers had described a chaotic scene with an officer down right in front of the bank. The responding officers reported hearing shots fired as they arrived. At one point during the audio, shots can be heard. Todd Sturgeon, who is Connor's dad, was also his high school basketball coach, and he was very vocal in the calls for lawmakers to enact gun control. Todd Sturgeon became the coach at Floyd Central in 2014, according to Louisville Courier Journal. Todd Sturgeon previously coached at the University of Indian- Indianapolis, and according to the Courier Journal, Sturgeon was 6 foot 4 sophomore at the high school when his father took the job, his younger brother was in middle school at the time, and Sturgeon is featured in several articles about high school sports that he played. Here is his father, Um, You know, my heart goes out to them, but uh, unfortunately, this is not the time uh, to be lobbying for gun control. This is the time for you and your family uh, to uh, to be together. Uh, Heavy claims that Todd Sturgeon reposted a video of the emergency situation that were being shared on social media. Uh, We have a local reporter who shared two videos on Twitter showing police officers clearing traffic on the road from the incident. Uh, And then, if that wasn't enough, we had another active shooter uh, that was just down the street from this initial one. Uh, Penny says, I wonder if the shooter was on SSRIs. Probably, probably was. Now, this one is where it gets really strange because I would have expected the first shooting was a bank robbery. It wasn't. It was just some guy who felt bad about himself and didn't want to get fired. So he decided to take people with him. The joke's on you, Connor, because you probably could have recovered. Everybody gets fired at some point in their life. It's not the end of the world. Connor Sturgeon, instead of facing his fears, decided to murder several other people and also to shoot at police. So while that's happening, four individuals killed, eight more being taken to the hospital. Uh, one of those injured being a Louisville Metro police officer, uh, Ends up getting shot by the police. Connor is taken out. And then just very, very closely, uh, we have the word that there was another shooting uh outside of the Greyhound bus station on West Ali at the Jefferson Community and Technical College, so right there in front of a college. This is a big day for gun control advocates in Kentucky. Uh, Now, before the police even got there, the the shooter had fled. Uh, We don't really know what's going on, uh, but this seems like it was probably a a crime of um, convenience, right? Uh, If you are a crazy person who wants to commit some havoc and murder people, and you know that the police are already occupied with another shooting, because obviously this would have been everywhere, Um, You know, then maybe perhaps you want to take advantage of the situation. So obviously, the college is closed and uh, we have very little information coming out of this, but... Uh, The incident was unrelated to the shooting that occurred at the National Bank that took place earlier in the morning. Um, And I don't have any information about people who may have died from this shooting. Uh, This, to me, looks like a police officer right there. Uh, Does not look like a photograph of one of the guilty parties. Okay. I'm going to go over here to the foxhole and do some thank yous over here. First of all, my buddy, CB Joey, who says, very based and red-pilled of you not to change your name. What a Chad. (laughs) Casey dropped a ship. Thank you so much, Casey. Uh, Razor dropping a can. Filter Dog 1 with a can as well. Red Pill Ken, good to see you, brother. Always a pleasure. I salute this Red Pill channel. Glad to be a part of it. I won't change a thing, RP78. That's awesome. I'm glad to hear it. Um, let me see. Doug Syme, good to see you, Doug. Dropping a cookie. CB Joey with another ship. Thank you, bro. Boise Blanc eighty nine with a cookie, and then Liberty Bell says thank you, Red Pill seventy eight. Thank you very very much, I appreciate it. Uh, Tom, I left my shoes on the other side of the desk. You are welcome to sleep on them if you like. Now, let's move on to the big the big story. If that wasn't if those stories weren't big enough for you, this one I think this ought to be big enough. Um, we recently got some new documents from the FBI that reveal that. We are under attack. Not that you needed any further confirmation of that, but that's exactly what this is. They are now flagging terms online that we would probably be using on a regular basis, those being red pill, based, and chad. If you use these terms now, in the same way that if you pray to Jesus and uh, you want to worship God on your free time, if uh, you want to perhaps uh, support President Trump and making America great again, all of these things are now what classify you as a right wing extremist. Now, these documents were released by the FBI. After the Heritage Project, after the Heritage Foundation's Oversight Project filed a FOIA request. Uh, the documents are titled Involuntary Celibate Violent Extremism. That is incel violent extremism. And in them, they contain a glossary of several words that they deem to be used by incel extremists. Who are incel extremists? Incels are the involuntary, involuntarily celibate Socially awkward kids of this modern generation who are unable to talk to girls or unable to uh, associate with girls, have a girlfriend and, you know, uh, have a normal life Um, because the women of today have unrealistic standards and are completely uh, just twisted in the way that they do business. I think Tinder and all these dating apps have, have just c- corrupted everybody's mind. Uh, Untitled 82 says, dude, change your name to Blue Pill 78 Somebody has already done that, I'm certain of it. Mm. So let's go ahead and take a look at this document. Uh, they They define these words. The term red pill, by definition, means refers to a process by which a person's perspective is dramatically transformed and it became popular after it was used in the 1990 film The Matrix. Chad, of course, is a slang term for an alpha male and based just means you stay true to yourself. Awesome. So what else we got here? Amazing hero, going ER, supreme gentleman, uh, these are references to people like Elliot Roger and another one, Alex Manassian. These were incels who went and killed people in murder sprees. Going ER is often used to state an intent to emulate the violent acts they did uh, by committing a mass attack. And, of course, Elliot Roger referred to him as the himself as the Supreme Gentleman. Cell uh, that is a suffix, uh, which, uh, is used to describe incels. Uh, so bald cell, this would be an incel who is bald, height cell, an incel who is short, rape cell, incel who condones rape. Escort Cell, an incel who supports the use of prostitution to gain sexual attention, Um, and and it goes on and on. Uh, MG Tau, that is uh, men going their own way. That is uh, in the the female relationship sense of taking the red pill. Um, Red pill, black pill, obviously we know what red pills are, we know what black pills are. Uh, Normies and blue pills, we know about that. Um, You know, essentially... By producing this document and uh, creating all of these associations, you know the the federal government has basically made anybody who isn't a a, a normal a normy left wing Democrat. If you're not one of them, uh, then you are essentially a terrorist at this point. So here are a number of other ones. These are uh, um, these are racist ones. So fourteen eighty eight. That is uh to discuss uh, a couple of different things 14 words which was uh, coined by a deceased RVme that what is an rVme hold on a second I missed that one what is an rVme a right-wing violent extremist or a right orhm uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, right-wing, military, violent extremists. That's what it was. Yeah, they talked about those before. Um, and then, of course, you've got the, the three echoes, which is the, uh, the, the parentheses. That's generally to indicate someone of a Jewish faith. Uh, you've got the term alt-right, which is short for alternative right. Of course, you got based. Uh, you got goys and goyim. you got the great replacement, even though that's a real thing. If you talk about that, you might be a racist bigot. Jews will not replace us. LARPing. LARPing, live action role playing. Uh, I think we've all heard of that before. You see a lot of people doing that online. Uh, And of course, red pill again and uh, people talking about white genocide. So the FBI uses this glossary of terms so that they can put people into these categories in these boxes and they know who they need to be following and who they need to be tracking. What's interesting is just how wide of a net they've cast and how difficult it is for them to actually stop real crimes from happening. Untitled 82, it's going to get crazy if the Resist Act gets passed. Uh, Yeah, it will. And I have a tough time believing that they're going to allow that to happen. I'm going to ask everybody Shell Not is a Fed. I haven't seen Shell Not posting anything in the chat. Hmm. Maybe they have me blocked. I don't even see anything from them. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Leg bad. Right. You know, again, they are casting such a wide net. Are they making it difficult for them themselves to to find actual criminals or are they simply looking to categorize us as criminals so that they can come and further dismantle our constitutional rights? Um, A based Chad who took a red pill while LARPing is the type of sentence that now gets the FBI's attention. So you can be a drug trafficker. You can be a human trafficker. Thank God we've got people like Grady Judd. You guys, I heard another story about good old Grady Judd. He had a uh, another big bust that took place recently. And the, one of the people who was arrested in this human trafficking bust uh, was a school board member. From a school board out in California, the guy went to Florida. I don't know if he did it just to go hook up with a prostitute, but he did go down to Florida, and while he was there, he hooked up with an escort. Turns out, though, that the escort was a female police officer, and they were able to arrest him. Uh, They were also able to arrest a ton of people, like 123 people. That included Johns and prostitutes, and they were able to rescue something like 28 girls uh, who had been involuntary pushed into the illegal sex trafficking trade. Um, Hang on, let me see. Uh, Grady, I want to see if I can find it. Grady Judd, recent bust, human, I don't know where that's coming from. Yeah, see, there's just been so many of them. It's difficult to track this down. Which one is the most recent one? Do, do, do. This one. Yeah, well, you know, this might be it right here. More than 200 people arrested in a human trafficking ring. Uh, Grady Judd, the, the other thing I love about Grady Judd is that he's not afraid to put people on blast, okay? Call a spade a spade. If you're a criminal and you're caught breaking the law, uh, put their name and their face all over, all over television. You know, make them sufficiently feel bad about the crimes they're committing. You know, I mean, if they're bringing shame to their family or their kids, maybe they'll think twice about committing crimes in the future. Um, 200 individuals in this human trafficking investigation, of those arrested, 213 people have been charged with various crimes and dozens are facing drug charges, In in addition to the human trafficking charges that they're also charged with. The human traffickers are forcing ladies across this border to commit sex. And that right there is where it all comes together. This is not just about prostitution. This is not just about forced sex trafficking. This is international human trafficking. And because the Biden regime refuses to secure the southern border, they've made it possible. And they have created a market for coyotes to traffic women across the border. I hope that they got some of these cartel guys, and they were able to uh, keep them locked up, not allow them to go. Uh, We have over 100 prostitutes, nearly 90 individuals who had attempted to solicit them for sex. That's the Johns. And then you had two individuals, two dozen individuals who were rescued from sex trafficking. That is the highest number of victims ever rescued in any sting operation by this sheriff's office, by Grady Judd. Some of the people who were rescued uh, were found to have been forced into prostitution by human traffickers who then smuggled them into the United States of America. Uh, The more often this happens, the less likely it is that the human traffickers are going to be going and setting up shop in a place like, uh, uh, what is this, Uh, uh, Polk Polk County, Florida. This needs to be happening all over America. And that's the real question that I have is why don't more people engage in busts like this, probably because in a lot of places throughout the United States, and certainly in places where they have Democrats in power, people locally are profiting off of the human trafficking of these women and these children. Uh, They allow it to happen because they're sick bastards and they're taking advantage of their access to women and children. Uh, They have uh, zero moral fiber and they're profiting financially <clears throat> off of what's happening to these women and children, or perhaps they've been blackmailed and they're owned by people because at one time or another, they broke a law. And rather than come to terms with the uh, the, the the responsibility that they have to, you know, own up to what they've done, they allow these crimes to be committed so that they can protect their own ass um, it's disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. And you got to ask yourself, why is Grady Judd the only one doing this? There are other sheriffs in Florida, but nobody is pro- as prolific as him. And you can't tell me that Polk County, Florida, is the only county in the, in the United States that is engaging in these levels of prostitution.
5: Uh,
4: wait a second real red pill girlfriend. She says, I've never seen red pill girl 87 before today, but not me. Wish I was born in 87. Is somebody here red pill girl 87 too? All right. So I mentioned the FBI's wide net. Uh, Another one of those groups that the FBI seems to be focusing on, and I went over this on the show a couple of uh, months ago, uh, there was the FBI bulletin on Catholic extremists. The FBI was hoping to position Catholics as extremists so that they could go in and uh and and bring them to account criminally in some fashion. Well, uh Jim Jordan has revealed that the FBI is infiltrating Catholic parishes all across America. They're engaging in direct outreach with the clergy and the laypeople uh so that they can get them to inform upon the people who go to church. The You know, the people who go to church are the ones who probably have the highest level of moral fiber uh, out of anybody in the community. Because I tell you, people with guilty consciences and people who uh, don't want to be closer to Christ don't end up going to church. They don't find themselves in church. Even people who are devout Christians don't necessarily go to church. But if you're going to church... That shows a, a a certain level to your character. And it also means that you're probably more devout to the specifics of your faith. And if they're looking to cast as wide a net as possible and, and gather up all these Catholics and show the world that Catholics are extremists, well, then it makes sense that they would go to these these um, uh, these these parishes, uh, they would probably set up sting operations and they would attempt to get people to do illegal things in the same way that they've done over and over and over again. Uh, remember, radical traditionalist Catholic ideology. They talking about uh, like uh, the Northern Ireland or something, you know? I mean, like, not these days, Zach, churches. Oh, okay, I, I guess you're right. I guess you're right, man, you know? I just know that people who are have a, a close relationship with God, uh, in general, whether you go to church or not, the people with the closest relationships with God are the people who are not out there committing crimes. Uh, but, again, time and time again, the FBI goes after people who have that relationship with God. Um, and instead of doing the work that they need to do to actually round up real criminals instead of doing the work they need to do to round up the human traffickers, they go after people of faith. So <clears throat> Jim Jordan sent a letter to Christopher Wray uh, demanding information about what the FBI is doing, why they are going after Catholics, uh, and uh, and basically why they choose not to uh, enforce the laws in, in the way that they should. So, um, you guys remember a couple of weeks ago, I did that show with, uh, uh, with John Cullen. Uh, Supercon Bro says this country is sick with donkey pox. It's like festering Fetterman's neck tumors. Sad. Oh, that's a great way to put it. You're right. You know, here's the thing we definitely, America is sick. America is definitely sick, and yes, you're right, donkey pox is certainly the sickness, uh, but the it's not that it's overrun by donkey pox, it's just in the key areas that make a difference. Like, you know, if overall you're healthy, but you got a sore, like you got a, a big gash on the bottom of your foot means that you can't walk. Well, we basically have a big gash in the bottoms of the feet of this nation, and it is stopping us from moving forward and from taking care of the business that we need to take care of. Supercon, thank you so much for becoming a member, bro. I really appreciate it. Um, But, yes, yeah, so you remember a couple of weeks ago I did that show with John Cullen. Right after that show, the FBI released new information about uh, our man Stephen Paddock, the guy who they allege uh, killed all those people in the deadliest mass shooting incident in history back in 2017 when he opened fire on the Route 91 Music Festival. Now, it also appears that they are continuing to release new information. Now they are releasing disturbing letters that were written by a friend of Stephen Paddock. Uh, Apparently, and I say apparently because I can't claim this to be true. This is the FBI's word against anybody else's. Several months before Stephen Paddock ended up showing up in Las Vegas, whether he shot the people or not, uh, he had a friend who was an ex-con named Jim Nixon, 75-year-old man, implored him not to shoot or kill innocent people. If if you have a friend and you think they're going to shoot or kill innocent people, You know, is that the kind of thing you're going to put in a letter you're going to immortalize on paper and then send it to them? You know, dear Steven, after all these years, thank you for your friendship. By the way, don't murder or shoot innocent people, especially not in Las Vegas and at the Route 91 Music Festival with all those guns you've purchased and have enjoyed safely all these years. All the best. Jim Nixon. Uh, No, I just don't buy it. Um, We have handwritten letters, though, that the FBI is claiming uh, rather the police are claiming are real. They have been revealed by the Las Vegas Review Journal in response to a records request. uh, And it shows that this man, Jim Nixon, was pleading with Steven Paddock not to follow through on threats to carry out the carnage. Uh, again, my question is, why is it that Jim Nixon didn't do something else? Uh, you would think that Jim Nixon could have been held accountable in some fashion. You guys, if if somebody shows up to your house and says, oh, I'm just really feeling down lately, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go shoot up a music festival, or I'm going to set up at the mall and just pick off as many ki- children as I can. You know, Are you going to let your buddy go? And just like call it a day and gosh, you know, I mean, like, no, you would, you would be under some responsibility to contact authorities. So this is what allegedly the letters say. I can get someone for you who can help you. Please don't go out shooting or hurting people who did nothing to you. I am concerned about the way you are talking and believe you are going to do something very bad. Steve, please don't do it. Don't do what I think you're going to do. And it looks like it's a lengthy letter. My friend, you are a good person, and I want you to know that I'm very concerned about you. Now, these letters, uh, the Daily Mail has published, uh, were found back in November of 2017. This was the owners of an abandoned office building in Mesquite, Texas. Apparently, Stephen Paddock... Owned property there before he became the most deadly mass shooter in American history. Untitled 82 says, note the colored bracelets that kid wears to distinct how much money they owe to the cartels in this human trafficking on the border. How is not now how is this not a huge story? I'm I wasn't aware that there was a color-coded system to denote the amount of money that was owed. That's sickening. That's awful. I find this to be just a little too convenient. Stephen Paddock allegedly owned property all over the place. There's an abandoned office building. He leaves some of his personal effects and then goes to kill a whole bunch of people in Las Vegas. Among the scant offerings that this abandoned office building just happened to be these handwritten letters from a dear friend of Stephen Paddock. I'm not buying it, uh, and they go back quite a long ways. It wasn't like he wrote this letter to Stephen Paddock in you know the weeks before the event there at Route 91. Uh, we have one of these letters from August of 2014, where Nixon says, "You said in three years." you would be ready, and that your plan would show up in Nevada, California, Illinois, Texas, New York, and other cities. What do you mean? Wow, sounds like Stephen Paddock really had this all thought out. If you believe the FBI and the Las Vegas police, investigators also found that Paddock had amassed a huge stockpile of firearms leading up to the shooting. Of course, well, it all makes sense now. You know, they never gave us a motive. For Steven Paddock doing this, but it sounds like he was giving some clues to his friend, Jim Nixon. Why is Jim Nixon's name only coming up now? Why is it that there wasn't more of an investigation done? Is Jim Nixon even a real person? Uh, His unsettling spending spree, the purchase of all of these guns and ammo, uh, were alluded to by Nixon in another letter dated May 2nd, 2017, where he wrote... You must go on a hunting trip with all those guns you are stockpiling. Then three weeks later, in another letter revealed by Las Vegas outlet, Nixon again pleaded in vain for Paddock to seek help before he went through with his sinister threats. You're a good person, and I want you to know I'm concerned about you and your well-being. I believe you are lying to me, and you are going to hurt someone or kill someone. You sound like a real madman on the phone tonight. And if you'll remember, Stephen Paddock was a retired postal service worker. He was also an accountant and a real estate investor. And, of course, the biggest, the biggest cover of all live-action role-playing as a high-stakes gambler. And remember, Stephen Paddock was not a high-stakes gambler, okay? He, he, he was shown to be playing slots. Um, and he was the son of a notorious psychopathic bank robber who was, at one time, on the FBI's Most Wanted list. So, let's take a look at this letter. Use your head. Don't do anything stupid, and please don't go around shooting people. I figure out what you are going to do, and I strongly advise you not to do it. You've been stockpiling guns since 2013, and you even claim you are going to become a gun collector. What is wrong, buddy? This is my last day out in the friggin' world, and I hope and pray you don't do anything silly until I get back. I beg you not to go through with whatever it is you plan to do. You said you trust me and you consider me as your friend, so... Why not tell me what you are doing? Steve, you said that I was the one who kept you from doing something bad for the past four years, so why not wait until I get back, and you and I will sit down and discuss it. Please don't hurt innocent people. I beg you. If you go with a weapon, the police will kill you. I am here to tell you, please rethink whatever it is you're going to do or are doing. Uh, and of course you guys have seen all the photos. We've seen the tragic, um, video from the route 91 music festival. And of course, Steve and his brother, um, you know, his brother was an odd duck. Uh, I'm sure you guys remember that. So I just feel like this is just a little bit too convenient. And I, I find it again, very interesting that it's being revealed so soon after that show that John and I did, you know, I mean, uh, who wrote that? The FBI, I think so. White Knight, I think that the FBI wrote it. I don't think that it was Stephen Paddock's friend. I just don't believe it. Yeah, yeah, Red Pill Girl eighty seven, there she is. Yes, this letter is just a little bit too convenient. A little bit too convenient. All right. I mentioned this on Friday or Saturday night, but I didn't actually go over it on the show because it just didn't fit in with the subject matter. But y'all remember that tranny MAGA supporter that I told you was not MAGA. People were so convinced uh, she was wearing a MAGA hat. But remember, anybody can put on a MAGA hat. Anybody can get interviewed on RSBN or on CNN or wherever. Okay. Okay. We didn't know jack squat about this woman personally. All we knew is that she wore a MAGA hat, she acted like a left-wing radical, and she invaded the space of a left-wing demonstration that was, yes, defaming President Trump, but You can basically say whatever you want in a free society. Doesn't mean that any of us have to listen to it or subscribe to it. I need to say thank you to S. Golds, 3778, who is now a monthly supporter. Love all your shows. Keep up the great work, Patriot. Thank you so much, buddy. I really, really appreciate it. Untitled82, this is not Laura Loomer. I believe this is a man... Uh, And uh, I believe that it was a left wing agitator posing as a Trump supporter who was putting on a play, a production with this very well-known leftist agitator who was the one she got into the fight with. Supercon, your channel name is on Fed's wanted extremist lists. It's all over on the Donald. I'm a Chad and based. Now I'm wanted (laughs) to. Yes, that's right. I am now. I'm on the FBI's 10 most wanted list now. Oh, continue to pray for me, friends. All right. So I, there is a very interesting piece of information that was discovered. If you'll take a look, let me make this big here, guys. Do you see this phone? Do you see her phone right there? Do you see that sticker on the back of the phone? Well, that's a satanic sticker. What? Self-respecting Trump supporter, do you know who would have a sticker praising Satan on the back of their phone? Let me go ahead and show you this video.
0: are telling you a lie. I love that. I love your nail polish, I really do.
4: Also, what kind of a Trump supporter is going to stand there and just say the F-word over and over and over again? I mean, it's just rude. That's what separates us from the animals, guys. A measure of decorum. Rules. Rules separate man from the beast. The ability to engage in civilized society, civilized dialogue with people, and the left are unable to do that. Uh, So... How do we know that that is what I said it is? Well, you can get a clear view of this man right here, and you can see that that is definitely a Baphomet head with the horns and the goat face and everything, and if you get just a little bit closer, when she was directly in that fight with that well-known leftist agitator, you can see on the sticker it says, Hail Satan, Hail Satan. Uh, Not me saying that, that is me reading off what she says on that sticker. I don't know any Trump supporter who worships Satan. I don't know any Trump supporter who would think it would be a good idea to show up and act in the manner that this woman did. This this so-called MAGA woman is another Antifa left-wing agitator who was placed inside this scenario so that she could attempt to make Trump supporters look bad. Untitled 82 says they want American people to embrace Satan as the good guy. Well, it's a good thing. We are not that stupid. We are not going to be led astray in that way. Now, couple of things about leaked information. I also mentioned this just very briefly. Classified military documents occur, uh, uh, appeared on 4chan and then made their way to Twitter and other social media outlets, which appear to show uh the United States and NATO's plan to develop the Ukrainian army before a counteroffensive is scheduled to take place sometime in March. Now, what's kind of interesting is, well, first of all, I mean, the fact these documents got out in the first place that's notable. They appear to be real to me, uh, and uh, they do have certain language and signifiers on them, uh, like this secret uh, related to Finland, Ukraine, Five Eyes, NATO, uh, and uh, they have a lot of detailed information that um, would be difficult for the public to ascertain. Now, both Russia and Ukraine claim that the information on these documents are faked, and at least a little bit of the information on those documents is manipulated in a couple of different photos there I believe that the there were some uh, Russian deaths that were noted which were one number on one document and then another one on another document supposed to be the same picture um but there's also all of these other documents uh, that are contained in there. It's not just Ukraine. It's on certain allies of the United States, uh, some of our uh, security interests in the Middle East and in China. Uh, so this appears to be a fairly large leak. And there is discussion about whether or not these documents are legit, because, you know, of course, Ukraine is going to say they're fake because they don't want their plans leaked. Russia is going to say they're faked because it it makes the United States uh, look stupid, like somebody's trying to subvert whatever it is they're actually planning to do. And who knows, maybe Russia has better information about what the United States and NATO are planning to do uh, than the United States and NATO are aware of. Now, they appear to be genuine to me, um, and the most obvious clue as to their veracity is the fact that the Pentagon has spoken on this. Uh, and they have stated that they are looking into uh, exactly what happened. Um, now, this is not the first time in recent weeks that we have gotten a notable leak coming out of the Pentagon uh, back in. Oh, what was it uh, in, in April, early April? Um, oh, no, I'm sorry. This is the same thing. There was uh, another um series of leaks, and I'm sorry I don't have it right here, but this is the response from the Pentagon uh, stating that they are definitely looking into how these documents got out. Now, if these documents were not real, the Pentagon would just ignore them. Um, They might say something about how that uh, they're not looking into them, but we now have an investigation pending from the Department of Justice and from uh, the, the Pentagon itself. Uh, now, I know that these stories are coming out in the Washington Post. They're coming out in the New York Times. Well, the, the reason is because those places are spook central. That's who they are giving the information to. This is essentially the mouthpiece of the regime. And so they want their information to be put out through their lens. And they know that the New York Post and excuse me, not the New York Post, the New York Times and the Washington Post are going to play game, play ball in that way. All right, thank you very much for hanging out with us today. We've got just over 3,000 people here and 507 likes. If you're in the chat over on Rumble and you can, please do me a favor hit that thumbs up button. Uh, It would be great if we could get to 50% view to like ratio. That would be very, very, very awesome. and uh, in this article from the Gateway Pundit, they go through and discuss uh, some of the reasons why they think that these uh, documents are real, too. And that, that also includes uh, the secret classifications that are on there. Now, if you take a look at the photos, I mean, these are printouts of documents that must have come from, like, a SCIF or a secure server. Someone printed these documents, folded them up, and, like, took them with them or took them into a room and was able to take photographs of it. Um Uh, It's going to be an interesting investigation uh, because uh, depending on who it was that released this, you know, that's going to uh, that's going to mean it's going to be quite, quite impactful. Uh, So is it a NATO ally? Is it somebody in Ukraine that uh, was working for Russia? Is it someone in the Pentagon who is trying to thwart uh, the efforts of the current regime? Is it white hats who are hoping to destroy Joe Biden's attempts to start World War Three? Uh, Basilisk says, "Great show, thank you for that. I appreciate that." All right, so uh, it took a moment. It took a moment, but it looks like finally uh, GOP, I guess, groups around the country are are finally starting to officially decry this indictment of Donald Trump. The Arizona. Grand old party has passed a unanimous resolution denouncing the indictment. Uh, this is something that I would expect to see from uh, county parties or state parties all across America. Um, I think it uh, it goes to show you that the vast majority of them are controlled by the same people who would not want to see Donald Trump come back and be the Republican nominee in twenty twenty four otherwise they would have rushed to his aid uh, at the very beginning of it but this was a unanimous declaration, uh, and uh, it came just a few days after the County, Maricopa County Republican Party had passed a similar resolution on April 4th. So what does the resolution say? Unanimous resolution by the Arizona GOP executive board denouncing the indictment of the 45th president, Donald J. Trump. Whereas the Arizona Republican Party is dedicated to upholding justice and the rule of law, as well as restoring faith in our constitutional republic. Whereas Arizona Republican Party Chairman Jeff DeWitt and the executive board unanimously denounced the Democrats unjust persecution and circumstances surrounding the indictment of Donald J. Trump, the 45th president of the United States. Be it resolved that the Arizona Republican Party firmly supports the rule of law and strongly denounces the Democrats' blatant disregard for justice and their efforts to prosecute, persecute President Trump and his supporters. And be it further resolved that the Arizona Republican Party unequivocally stands against this political prosecution of President Donald J. Trump. We unanimously condemn the weaponization of the American justice system against political opponents of the current administration. Where are all of the other state and county GOPs across America? Why are they not talking about this? This is definitely, definitely something that we should be seeing. This is political persecution. You know, not only are they going after President Trump by weaponizing the Justice Department, they've been doing it to Trump supporters for years now. Every single day I wake up, we get new information about how the FBI or the DOJ or some other federal organization under the auspices of the current Biden regime are using their power and their money to go after people just like you and I, while at the same time, they reward people like this. Remember when Joe Biden did that interview with Dylan Mulvaney, Uh, Danny Mulvaney, I think his real name is? Well, this is not going to end well for Anheuser-Busch um, or for Nike. Uh, now, you may have already seen something about this, but it turns out that there is an organization that is responsible for the solicitation of Dylan Mulvaney to be a spokesperson for brands like Nike and uh, Budweiser, and that is this group called the Human Rights Campaign. Uh the New York Post describes them as the leftist LGBTQ mafia. They have a social credit system that they use to force companies like Nike and Anheuser-Busch to either advance their poisonous agenda or get, I guess, you know, lack of business from the LGBTQAI plus community, however many there are now. Um, so what they'll do is they will go to a company... They will essentially blackmail them and say either you support this agenda and do this or that or hire this person as a uh, as a spokesperson and we'll give you 20 points on the woke scale. Uh, otherwise, you know, we're not going to drink your beer anymore. Well, I think Anheuser-Busch and Nike have made a real miscalculation here um, because I think there's a lot more people out there who will not drink Budweiser or any of their other affiliated beers Uh, then there are people who would be supporting of Dylan Mulvaney. Um, Here is the WOKE rating. We actually have the WOKE rating. Advocacy Group Human Rights Campaign introduced the 100-point Corporate Equality Index to score companies on their inclusiveness. Number one, workforce protections. Five points. No discrimination for employment, for sexual orientation, or gender identity. I think that's already illegal. Number two. Inclusive benefits, 50 points. Wow, half the points. Criteria here includes providing health care for same-sex couples. Number three, supporting an inclusive culture, 25 points possible, including gender-neutral dress codes and trans-inclusive restroom facilities policy. Number four, corporate social responsibility, 20 points here. Marketing or advertising to LGBTQ consumers, which would include Nike and Bud Light's use of transgender spokesperson Danny Mulvaney. And then finally, responsible citizenship. This is negative 25 points. Points are deducted if a company gives money to organizations whose primary mission includes advocacy against LGBTQ equality, which is not defined but could include Christian groups. Supercon bro, says, on a lighter note, spicy food is great for memory. Next morning, you recall your dinner while using the bathroom. Cat, that's very true. Penny Whitbrot, someone, anyone, please tell me what rights we have that trans people do not have. Besides that, they can be nude in public and we can't. <laughs> that's right. There are no rights that you, as a biological woman, possess that trans women do not possess. It is not a right to be allowed to use the bathroom of the gender you were not assigned at birth. That is not a right. Uh, It is a a right for you to be able to use the bathroom, and if you identify as a woman and dress as a woman and go to bathroom in the men's bathroom, you might make the men uncomfortable. But uh, you're also going to make the women uncomfortable. So maybe using family restrooms. If there's the fact that we have to even argue about The fact about this even being uh, an issue, you know, that's uh, that's a problem right there. So clearly these corporations must have been blackmailed uh, by these uh, corporations. Uh, But no, it actually looks like Budweiser specifically went woke prior to this campaign. They hired this woman on screen right here. She is now the Vice President of Marketing. Her name is Alicia Heinerscheid, and she recently went on a podcast where she ripped her company and its traditional customer base while pushing the woke agenda of the left. Uh, She is apparently the brainchild behind this deal with Dylan Mulvaney and the advertising that we're now seeing. So, She is an Ivy League graduate of the Groton School in Massachusetts. Uh, She went to Harvard. She studied English literature. It's no wonder she's out there now pushing this garbage. Uh, She also attended business school at Wharton, where she got a master's degree in marketing. Uh, She is the first female to lead the largest beer brand in the industry. And that, so far, has been a spectacular, spectacular with a miss. Let's go ahead and listen to her. If it'll work.
6: Well, I'm a businesswoman. I had a really clear job to do when I took over Bud Light. And it was, this brand is in decline. It's been in decline for a really long time. And if we do not attract young... drink,
4: Let me just... Why do all these women have horse faces? I don't mean to be rude, but... I just it just it is it just me or like conservative women are better looking
6: First to come and drink this brand there will be no future for Bud Light. So I had this super clear mandate. It's like we need to evolve and elevate this incredibly iconic brand. And my what I brought to that was a belief in Okay, what is what do what does evolve and elevate mean? It means inclusivity.
4: Inclusivity. Evolve and elevate. Remember, these people want to be the masters of their own domain. They want to be God themselves by evolving their own bodies, by changing who they are simply at their whim. Uh, this woman is responsible for what you see at Bud Light, and she will also be responsible uh for the destruction of Anheuser-Busch. Let's go ahead and uh, let's take a look at how this is going for Bud Light. Well, a merchandiser for Anheuser-Busch has said that no one is buying these products and that his business is suffering as a result. He actually does a little video. And and let's go ahead and take a look. Let's see how things are going in Bud Light world.
5: Um... (laughs) I work for an affiliate company, I am a merchandiser, and the sole product of the company I work for is Anheuser-Busch Products. So with all this canceling going on, um, there's, I mean, I've never seen such little sales in this past few days uh, on these products, and it's, it's sad because People don't buy this beer, I don't make money, and I can't feed my family. So it's kind of uh, heartbreaking, I guess, that um, Anheuser-Busch did what they did. They don't know their clientele, so it's uh, kind of heartbreaking. Thanks, Anheuser-Busch, I may not be able to feed my family coming up here soon. See, this
4: just slays me. You know, I, I hope that this guy is able to start merchandising for other beer companies. I hope that through the boycott of Anheuser-Busch, people's decisions to not drink beers coming from this company anymore. I hope it becomes an opportunity for men like this and other employees in this industry uh, to start shifting over to something else. Because it's it's not just about Purchasing the things that you want to support. I think there is something to be said for not working for evil companies. Uh, there is something to be said for not working for a, a business that does not represent your values at the end of the day. And certainly, our values do not align with the propagandizing that these people are doing and the fundamental changes they hope to make to children and society for future generations. You know, I'm very libertarian, okay? I don't care what you do as long as it doesn't interfere with me, my liberty, my happiness, and the safety and security of my children. If you want to do something in the privacy of your own home, then that's totally fine. Uh, but your particular kinks should not be on display publicly for children to be influenced by. Uh, Vector says learn to code. Ha, <laughs> There you go. All right. So one final story. Um, I only just briefly spoke about this the other day, but in the wake of the transgender terror attack that took place in, uh, what was that, Nashville the other day, uh, there was another possible transgender terror attack that almost took place in Colorado. But luckily, this person did uh, what Stephen Paddock's friend didn't. they called the police, and they called the police on their own child. The suspect is a 19-year-old named William Whitworth. So it's a boy who identifies as a girl named Lily. Now, it's so confusing because when you see these people, you know, I thought this was a girl at first. You know, from the front, it looks like it's a woman. But then from the side, it definitely looks like a man. But either way, uh, this individual, William Whitworth, Goes by Lily, identifies with she, her pronouns, and she, they, he had put together an extensive plot to plant bombs at and then shoot students at Timberview Middle School in Colorado Springs that day. Uh, Wasn't even a student at Colorado, wasn't even in high school anymore. Um, This came, of course, uh, about a week after that uh, brutal murder of all those kids and teachers in Nashville, Tennessee at the Christian School. It was a hate crime against Christians but of course that's legal you can go ahead and do that nowadays if you're if you're going to murder somebody you might as well make them Christians because the feds are not going to go after you so uh, the police found that this person William wentworth had mapped out the floor plan of the middle school and had expressed violent intent toward his sister earlier in the day now this caused his sister to call the police who ended up arriving at the residence. When they got there, Whitworth was found lying in bed, drunk in a room piled with trash that had several holes in the wall. And Whitworth was then arrested on suspicion of attempted first degree murder and other charges after admitting to wanting to shoot up a school. While they searched the home, They found a manifesto that outlined support for political figures and idolized other mass shooters, and specific details were not released. Of course, we still don't have the manifesto of the trans shooter from Nashville either. And again, if it was a white male who had produced a manifesto, it would have already been all over everything, would have been leaked by CNN or whoever. Now, uh, this person has actually been released uh, but in the manifesto, it shows that he planned to target two additional schools in addition to Timberview, and there are also significant details on how to carry out that shooting. Uh, per KRDO, a news station, a list of firearms and how to 3D print them was there. Mm, that right there, I think, is an effort by the feds to make 3D print models of firearms illegal. That's something they've been going after for a long time. Uh, they also had detailed lists of numerous named individuals who this person wanted to kill uh, and their intended casualty versus injury rate. Wow, he really thought about this. There was also information detailing the creation of homemade IEDs. Also, there was the locations that have been finalized, Timberview Middle School, Prairie Hills Elementary, and Pine Creek High School. Uh, and uh, there were names. Uh, look at this. Eric and Dylan, that would be the Columbine shooters, uh, says they were losers, Adam Lanza was too smart. Israel Keyes was a degenerate. Lauren Southern is pathetic. Donald J. Trump is a con man. And bad cops are useless garbage. Now, they also found a copy of the Communist Manifesto when they searched William Whitworth's home. Uh, Now, of course, this book is essentially the Bible for people who don't have faith in anything else. Just jumping over here to the foxhole, we're going to do the final thank yous, and then I'm going to encourage you guys to tune in tonight at 10 30 p.m. on Badlands Media for uh, Baseless Conspiracies with myself and John Harold tonight. Uh, thank you again to Doug and CB Joey and Boise Blanc. Liberty Bell says, Thank you, Red Pill. Uh, C Blanche dropped a can. Cheers. Zeta Anon says, I love this four, eight, four mountain time slot. It's perfect for me. I'm glad that it works out for you and that you're able to be here with us. WC Cranop, I just got these G. EPs just sitting here over a year. Good new home. LOL. See you soon, Zach. See you soon. Uh, Jay dropped some shades. Casey dropped some shades. Porpoiseful with a cookie. Vector117 chopping it up over on Foxhole as well as over there on Rumble says, thanks, Zach, and then donated 100 red pills. Rise the Tire said, now that's an extremist incel. That was, yeah, William right here. Uh, Country Girl dropped a cookie and another cookie and another cookie and another cookie and another cookie. And another cookie. Awesome. Uh, and then Casey and dropped two cookies as well. All right, you guys, I want to thank everybody for being here. Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Red Pill News. Until next time, good luck and God bless. I'll see you tonight. looks like uh, there were a couple of donations over on Buy Me a Coffee. I need to say thank you very much to Oh, my good friend, DJ Vector. He said, thanks, brother. Uh Also, Tracy Arizona said, F these people. And can you do another show with Vector soon? I know I can watch his show also, but would love to have him on yours again soon. Thank you for all your hard work, Zach. Yeah, absolutely. Vector, we will uh do something soon. Thank you to everybody for hanging out with us. If you're still on Rumble and you haven't hit the like button yet, please hit that like button. We'll see you next time.
1: now.